uh, I want to preach about total commitment. Total commitment. Well, that's what we're striving for. We want to commit every aspect of our life to the Lord. But some things are harder than others to get in line with. And God understands human nature, but at the same time, he's always working on us. When we were kids, there was a song, he's still working on me. You remember that old song? Y'all showing your age if you remember that one. To make me what I ought to be, right? It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. I, and patient he must be, yeah. He's still working on me. So I believe that song. I like that song better now than I did then. And I really love the idea of being perfect someday. You know, Susie thinks I already am, but I know I'm not. And nobody is. Nobody is. But one day we will be, right? So we're working on total commitment. How many know that true Christians, blood-bought, born-again Bible-believing Christians don't use the gospel as a cop-out. We use the gospel as victory because that's why he gave it. How many know he gave us this book to use? He gave us this book to use, not just to read but to apply to our life, and we're always striving for that. One of the things we must do is, in order to have harmony in a church, is to have a lot of grace for each other's mistakes there's a lot of people serving the lord trying real hard and we're going to make mistakes we're going to do the wrong thing once in a while say the wrong thing maybe even teach the wrong thing once in a while we have to have grace for each other i am thankful for someone who's out there swimming treading water trying more than i am for the person that's afraid to get in the water and so I believe that as a Christian, we strive for total commitment. There's a sermon, and I, I wrote it many years ago, the outline of it. Now, the Lord wrote it. I didn't write it. But I wrote an outline to go along with it many, many years ago, I guess, way back in 1992. Now, you know you're old when you say way back in 19 or so. Well, I heard somebody the other day say, that was way back in the 90s. And I thought, oh, my goodness. So, back in 1992, before some of y'all were born, uh, I wrote this outline, and I've taught it several times in Sunday school and Bible study, and I want to real quickly go through what I call a lesson on total commitment, all right, total commitment. Now, Daddy used to say it like this, he used to say, now, if you're, the chicken and the hog were talking about serving breakfast to the preacher. And they want to make it the best. They want to have ham and eggs. And the chicken said, I think that would be so nice. And the hog said, well, it's nice for you, but it's total commitment for me. In Matthew chapter 19... I want to read a scripture, 1916. No, I can't remember that far back. Matthew chapter 19, 
verse 16. All right? The rich young ruler. We don't know what he was the ruler of. He was the ruler of his kingdom, whatever it was. Uh, you know, back then, people owned land. How did they own land? Because they had a big enough army to defend it. Or maybe there was a king who gave them a deed to that land, and it was theirs to lord over, okay? We talked about this briefly in Sunday school this morning. You own land, possibly, or maybe you own your house. How do you own it? What makes it that you own it? Well, because there's, it's written on a deed. You have a copy of the deed, right? Piece of paper. can burn up in a fire, go away. It's like that. Now, there's a copy of that deed filed at a courthouse, right? Uh, just like you go to the courthouse, you file it, and uh, court clerk records it, and they put it in a big file. That is what makes you own your property, is that deed. And the fact of the matter is, the government has to enforce the rule that that deed allows you to own your property in order for you to own your property. Now, this is something you're never taught in school. I was never taught this, and I've been to a lot of school. What makes you able to own your property? You might think you own it. I might think I own Well, actually, I think the bank owns it. But the bank when I get, doesn't have a legal right to just take it unless I don't make my payments. So I'm trying to get to a point. Stay with me. You have a deed to your property because you have a government that enforces the right to own personal property. Just like the king, whoever was over this rich young ruler, had given this ruler the right to his kingdom, his property. He said, yeah, you can own that property if you pay taxes to the king. We have the same thing. We have the right to own our property if we pay taxes to the government. That's why our founding fathers created a government that is elected by the people so they will continue to enforce the right to own property. That is the American dream. If the government changes and becomes a China or becomes a Venezuela or becomes a Russia, then you no longer own your property. All of a sudden, overnight, you no longer own your property. When we move, and hopefully we never will, and no, I'm not campaigning about November, I'm saying this is America. Democrat, Republican, Independent, whatever you want to call it. We have to have a government that's elected by the people. The point I'm getting to is this. The rich young ruler had a lot of property. He only owned it because the king let him own it. And I would say to you, the only reason the king was the king is because God allowed him to be king. It is just as real as the deed to your property. It is just as real as the house that you live in. God is real. There is not a uh, mysterious realm that we just believe in and then now here's reality. That is not true. The truth is, you're breathing because God allowed you to breathe another day. The truth is, I have my house and land because I went to school, I got a job, I saved my money, I made my payments. 
and I was allowed to put that deed at the courthouse, and the courthouse is enforced by our government, and our government only stands because God allows it. Now, if the hand of God is taken off of our government, it all crumbles. The enforcement of ownership of property crumbles, and I don't have anything anymore. That's the way it works. Snap into reality, America. This is real. God is real. God is real. Now, what does that matter in my life? I'll tell you what it matters. If I want to be protected by the Lord, if I want to have his hand on me and my family, if I want an angel set over us, I have to be obedient to the Lord. I have to follow the Lord. If you claim to be a Christian and you don't follow the Lord, then you're out there on a limb. You're out there treading water in the deepest ocean. Eventually, you'll get tired or the limb will give. Total commitment is extremely important, and it's not something you just have. You strive for it throughout your life. And so in Matthew, we read the story of the rich young ruler, verse, verse uh, 16 of chapter 19. Behold, one came unto him, this is coming unto Jesus, the rich young ruler, came to Jesus and he said, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said, Why are you calling me master? Why did Jesus ask that question? Because he already knew he wasn't his master. Jesus already knew that he was not this rich young ruler's master, that money and wealth was his master. Jesus can read minds. He's got a big advantage over us, huh? All right? He knows your heart. You can't fool him. When I was a little bitty, teeny, tiny kid, I can remember a lot of things from when I was like two years old. It's weird, I know. But... Have you ever had your kids do this? You can't see me. I used to play that. Oh, my mother was great. I had the best mother. My mom's better than your mom. No. She was the greatest. I mean, she played games with us all the time. She made us feel like we were the most important people in the world. She never, I never remember ever, even when I was the pain, royal pain, and you know where. She never made me feel like it. Now, she spanked me, but it was always because of what I did, not because of who I was. You with me? Never, you're a bad boy. It was, you're a good boy, and good boys don't do that. Whap. <laughs> but she didn't slap or hit. She just calmly, you know, didn't hurt that bad. Now, Daddy, on the other hand, that to put the fear in you real fast. Here's what we do with God. We act like that little kid. Oh, you can't see me, God. Now, I'm in my room now. I'm out here away from town now. Am I right? People pretend that God can't see them. 
You're just pretending, you're fooling yourself, but you're not fooling God. And so he comes to him and he says, good master. And Jesus was basically saying, now don't lie to me. I think he was not hitting him in the face with it. He asked him a question to make him realize, you have not given your life to me. You have not made a commitment to me. You might be coming here with, to the meeting. But he said, why do you call me good master? And he also went on to say, there's none good but God. Now, I've heard this misquoted lots of times, lots of times in my life, where preachers say, well, Jesus said, I'm not good, only God is good. That is not at all what he said. What he was saying in a backwards way is, if I am good, it's because I am God. I am good. You don't know that, is what he was saying. You don't know that. If you knew it, if you knew that I was God, if you knew, Jesus said, if you knew that I was God, you would be just, your reaction would not be just walking up to me nonchalant and saying, hey, good master, what much, I mean, you would be, how, what would you do, Union Valley? What would you do if Jesus Christ showed up in the flesh right here, right now? What would you do? I think I would fall down and just beg for mercy. I think. Because I'm a sinner that has been saved, so I'm no longer identified as a sinner. I'm identified as a saint, but I still have sin in my life because nobody's perfect, and the reality of it is you're never going to be perfect, but you can never get better without total commitment. This uh, rich young ruler had not committed himself to God. He was fooling himself. What did Jesus go on to say? Let's read it. It says, verse 17, Why do you call me good? There is no one good except God. But if you will enter into life, keep my commandments. If you will enter into life, keep my commandments my commandments you know that's not the only time that jesus said that what did he say if you love me you will what keep my commandments and then later he goes on to say those who keep obey the will of god those that follow the will even in Re even in revelation where it's talking about the final judgment it's all about those that keep the commandments follow the lord follow his will you know, I've, we give out the Ten Commandments in our ministry. Uh, a few years ago, they took the Ten Commandments down off of the Oklahoma State Capitol, which was an abomination to God to take it down, and it was wrong. And there was a preacher that led the way to get it removed, and I'd say he is no preacher of God. you got to pick a side, and your job is not to, your job is not, don't, don't make this mistake. Write it down. Your job is not to fight for the other side. Your job is to lead them to salvation. But when it comes to issues, when it comes to policies, your job is never to fight for the other side. Jesus said, what, you're either for me or against me you gotta pick 
well, I've been in this political party all my life, and my grandparents and my great-grandparents. Well, guess what? That doesn't mean anything. Either, either side, it doesn't mean anything. What matters is, what's the issue that we're talking about here? Jesus told the wealthy man that ruled the land, if you want to be mine and follow me, you've got to follow my commandments. Does that mean if you, miss, if you mess up one that you get kicked out? There's not one example in the Bible of Jesus kicking anybody out of his family. Don't you think if he did that, there would at least be one example? The only one that even come close is Simon the Magician. You know the story? Simon the Magician in the New Testament. And it says he believed and was baptized. And then he followed with them. And then he... He was basically, it clearly says that he was only trying to learn their tricks. How did they heal people? How did they deliver people? How did they chase off evil spirits? He was only trying to learn that magic. And then later he gets kicked out. But what did the disciples say to him? You never were one of us. So, when it says he would believed and was baptized, it means he went through the motions. But he never had really sold out to Jesus. And that's a perfect example of how going through the motions will not get you to heaven. <clears throat> going through the motions does not bring you into the family of God. It has to be real in your heart. And the rich young ruler had a problem of his heart, and the Lord wanted to try to fix it. And it says, if you will, you'll keep my commandments. And what it, You know, I think the Lord said that because he already knew the man wasn't keeping the commandments. Right? He already knew it. I wish I could just rattle off the Ten Commandments. Sometimes I, my memory works real well and I can. Maybe with y'all's help we could. Thou shalt not... Have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any idols, graven images to worship. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt honor thy father and mother, and your life will be long. Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's possessions. Thou shalt not... What? Yeah, thou shalt keep the Sabbath and remember it. Keep it holy. Thou shalt, huh? Ah, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. You see, that means testify and they go to jail or whatever. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, lie about other people that harms them. What's the last one? Thou shalt have potluck on the last Sunday of every month. What? That's it. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Yes. Oh, I was hoping the potluck was right. What did the guy say? He said, well, Jesus quoted some of them to him. He said, 
Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt honor thy father and mother, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now he quoted five or six of them, and the young man said, verse 20, the young man said back to him, he answered him back, and he said, those things I have kept from my youth. Now, he obviously left a few of them out. He left out the one that said, Thou, I am a jealous God. Thou shalt have no other gods but me. And then he also left out the one that said, You shall not make any man-made image to worship. You see, he knew that that man worshipped money. Money is man-made. How many know money is man-made? Money is man-made. I've been seeing this commercial. Have you been seeing it? Where they go through the history of money. They show coins and papers. and they So now's the time for digital currency. You've been seeing that? Well, it's, you know, it's a reality. Digital currency is reality. If I, ex if I accept digital currency, let's say I have something to sell. Let's say I sell cars, which I don't. But let's say I sell cars. If, I, if you pay me with digital currency and I'll take it and give you a car for it, then it's worth something, right? And that's how money evolves, but it has to be backed by the government. Here's the thing, guys. Think about this. The push for digital currency is part of the growth of the One World Monetary Organization. You see, because it takes out our government. It takes us out of the equation. And we can't have that. Our government is elected by the people. Other governments are not necessarily elected by the people, or even if they are, they may not be legit, and they may be following the wrong God. You see, the money may not be... Here's what people will do to, to make Christians feel bad. Oh, all you care about is money. Here's what people will do to preachers. Oh, all you want is that money. I hear it all the time. Oh, well, that's why they want to have church. That's why they want the church doors open. Money, 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 money. I'll tell you, that is not true. God knows it's not true. But we should never allow people to make us feel bad about making money and getting money. God wants you to make money. He wants you to grow in your income. He wants you to make money. That's a fact. He wants you to make money. He wants you to provide for your family. He wants you to own what he has for you to own. He wants to, you to give to building the work of God. I'm, I'm not a prosperity preacher. If you've been going here, you know that. But the fact of the matter is, money is not evil. God wants you to make it. He wants the church to make it. They're trying to close the church. They're trying to take the money out of the hands of our government that's elected by the people. This rich man right here worshipped his money. Jesus knew it. And that's one of the biggest problems in the church today is people worship money. If you worship money, if a person worships money, you're going to fall, you're going to sink, the limb is going to give. Because it will not last. When this planet is recreated by, earth, by God, all that paper is going to burn up. All those digital fiber connections are going to burn up. There won't be any way to transfer digital currency. All that gold is going to melt. You see, God's trying to teach us all a lesson. Young people, I want you to listen. 
as you grow old and you raise your families, teach them that money is a tool, a gift from God to do what God wants us to do. And we have to be totally committed to God or it never works out for his children. Strive to be totally committed to God. Obedience, service. He wanted, would have been phenomenal if that rich young ruler, his heart would have been right and God would have said, I can see your heart and I know you care and I, you are saved. He told that to the thief on the cross. He said, today you'll be with me. Where? He could have said the same thing to the rich young ruler. He could have said, one day you'll come into my kingdom. But he didn't ever say that because the man really wasn't totally committed to the Lord. Sadly, the man was playing a game. The man was searching out his curiosity. Who is this Jesus I've been hearing about that performs all these miracles? I think I'll go check that out. And he goes, but he's not touched to the point of giving his life to Christ. I have another sermon I preach about this story. Sometimes it's called Walking Away. And in a nutshell, it says the rich young ruler walked away from the touch of God. He walked away from the riches of God. He walked away from eternal life. You see, this young man, he had so much potential. He had so much potential. He could have been such an influence for the Lord. I'm excited every time I see a sports star or a movie star or somebody that's got a lot of influence give the credit to Jesus Christ. I love that. And you know what? Somebody can give the credit to Jesus and really, really mean it, and they can still be off a little on their philosophies. They can. It's all a learning process. It's a learning curve, you know. I used to, I'll, I'll tell you a few things that I used to teach that I found out that I'm wrong about. How many times have you heard that in sermon? I'm going to tell you. I can think of two or three things that I used to teach as gospel. And I found out now, after these 30-some years of living and learning and keep reading and studying, that I was just wrong about that. I used to think that God doesn't, hear anybody's prayer unless they're a Christian or unless they're asking for salvation the sinner's prayer I was I've thought that all my life the first prayer when I was a kid growing up because I heard it so much right the first prayer that God hears is the sinner's prayer that is so not true that is not true let me tell you God hears everything God hears everything you think God hears all those riots going on? You think God hears that those babies that are screaming when they're being abused? You think God hears the, hor the horrific things and the terrible things? Yes, he does. Yes, he hears it. He hears it all. God hears the people crying out. God uses lost people all the time to work out his purpose. Another thing that I used to think that I've learned I was wrong about.
I can't think of it. No, I'm just kidding. Just a joke. How many know it's all right for us to be wrong once in a while? And we're not supposed to just stand on it till. I mean, you got to have some grace. But I used to teach that if a person prayed the prayer, was baptized, then they were saved, and it was forever. Now, I've learned since then that that's just not true. There's a lot of people that pray the prayer, and they're baptized, but they're like Simon the magician. They really never gave their life to Christ in the first place. I can't judge whether you were sincere about it or not. You can't judge whether I was until time goes by, and then our life produces results and fruits, and the Bible says, by their fruits you shall know them, right? By their fruits. I, I know that I know that I know there are some people in heaven today because I could tell that they bore fruit for the Lord in this life. I used to think that the Old Testament from Genesis to, is it Malachi? was past and that it all is about the new testament matthew to revelation i used to think that but i've come to the realization that that is not true at all that god is the same yesterday today and forever and so i learn from the old testament and i apply it under the new testament the New Testament is the blood of Jesus. Total commitment is what this story is about. I'm out of time. But I want to tell you that if this young man, if this rich young ruler had given it all to Jesus Christ, he would have found the greatest victory he had ever found in his life. If he had been committed to serve I think we're supposed to be committed to a local church. I really do believe that's part of it. We're supposed to be part of the church that Jesus built. I believe we're supposed to be part of reaching the world with the salvation message that whosoever believeth on him shall not what? Perish, but have everlasting life. What did he say in Psalm 23? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the, I shall fear no evil. For thou art with me. Do you know for sure that the Lord is truly with you? Praise God. Let's all stand.